Well, what's up, church family? Yeah, you guys can have a seat. Welcome to church, everybody. It's so good, so, so good to have you guys with us. Uh, listen, before I jump into the message, um, I want to take a real quick second. Our family, most of our family, our um, teenage daughter wasn't, you know, this is not cool to come up here. Uh, so she didn't. Sorry to call you out, babe. Love you. Um, but anyway, but I just wanted our family to come over. Actually, I really just wanted Becky to. And then these two little stowaways ran up here. So this is Max and Nora. And they wanted to run up here. And we just wanted to, from our family to yours, wish you a Merry Christmas. Um, and just take just a second to do that. Max, can I get a little high five? That was, that was a good one. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Nora, you want to say anything? Just kidding. I know she wasn't. I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, thank you guys so much. Uh, we just wanted to real quick just tell you guys how much we love you and we, we believe in you and your family and we're hoping for an amazing 2020, uh, just an amazing year next year. And um, I, so far, what an amazing experience we've already had together today. Just worshiping and as a family getting to sing songs and laugh together, there's just nothing like it. And let me just welcome the rest of our church family at every single campus, um, all the guys at the Correctional Center campuses. I'm so glad that you are with us today as well. Um, and then in all of our campuses right now, we've got some VIPs in the room. And so what I need to do is I need to hear from all the kids. Kids, let me hear you real quick. Come on, where are you kids? I, listen, listen. I live with three of y'all. I know you got a whole lot more in you than that little wimpy scream. So kids, let me hear you one more time. Come on, kids, let me hear you. Yeah. Woo! There it is. That's what we're talking. That's what we all know. Is that right there? The piercing scream. Good job, kids. Listen, we are so glad that you are hanging out with us this weekend. We're so glad that you are going to celebrate Christmas with us and that we have uh, got to worship together and be a part of this together. We're so glad that you are here. Um, listen, there's a couple things that I know about Christmas and really this whole season. One of those is this, is that there are people that walk into this season, walk into this time of, um, of the year just as happy as could possibly be. Life is so great that when you get to Christmas, it is truly the most wonderful time of the year. Is there anybody like that? That life is just the best it could possibly be. There's like three people with their hands up. Okay, right? And then there are some people that honestly are on the opposite side of that. You know, if we're just being real for a second, there's a lot of people that this time of the year is extremely difficult. You know, it's hard, either a loss of a loved one or family separation, divorces, um, people leaving, just whatever it is that this time is difficult or just in general, let's be real, in general, life is tough. And sometimes the pressure of Christmas just makes it almost unbearable. But then I think there's a third group that's somewhere between those two extremes, that you're kind of somewhere in the middle and... Um, maybe just the heaviness of life, the heaviness of the season, the busyness, the, the financial obligations, the, 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 all the crazy that's happening. And, and what ends up happening, or, or what, it, what it seems like to me at least, is that whatever, wherever you are in life, Christmas has a way of magnifying it. Lord, if you're happy coming into Christmas, you're probably going to get happier. But if life is tough coming into Christmas, it's only going to get harder. Right? It just has a way of doing that. But there's something that I believe we all have in common. Every single one of us, we all have this one thing in common, that when December the 25th rolls around, we all are hoping for the perfect Christmas. Every single one of us. All this preparation, all this time, all this money, all the shopping, all the stuff. For some of you, it may be the last month all of this has been happening. 
Um, my daughter Nora that was just up here, for her, it's three months worth of preparation for Christmas. Like it's, it's way early in the year we start getting ready. But a lot of us, there's all this energy being put into Christmas. And what we hope for is a perfect Christmas. We want everything to come together, everything to fall into place, and for it to be perfect. Now, I don't know about you, but a perfect Christmas may just be that no one complains about their gifts this year. Right? I don't know. Like, like the kids come running downstairs, and they, they, they run to the Christmas tree with that twinkle in their eye, and they open up the gift, and they, they look in it, and just with a single tear down their face, they just say, Mom and Dad, this is the most amazing gift you could have possibly given me. But it doesn't compare to the gift of you. Right? Right, that's, kids, take some notes. Kids, take some notes. That's what we want. That's what we want to happen on, on, on Christmas morning. Now, if you're a kid in the room, the perfect Christmas is probably the perfect gift. Right, the perfect gift. So kids, I need your help real quick. What is the perfect gift this year? Go ahead, tell me. Bicycle, Nintendo Switch, a boat? That was a very masculine voice that said that. I'm just, I'm going to throw that out there. A boat. Well, all right, Junior, we'll get you a boat. All right? All right, so listen. But then for some of us parents and adults and maybe grandparents, the perfect Christmas, honestly, is that there's no fighting or bickering or tension this year. Right? That at family Christmas, nobody brings their boxing gloves. That all the passive aggressive remarks stay at home. Right, that there's no drama or tension, that there's no abusing of any substances, there's no craziness, right? That would be the perfect Christmas. Or maybe the perfect Christmas is that someone shows up this year. You know, maybe there's a son or a daughter that's serving overseas or someone you haven't seen in years and years, a family or friend or a relative that, man, if they were to come into Christmas, if they were to be here this year, it'd be absolutely perfect. Or maybe, or maybe just the opposite of the perfect Christmas would be if someone does not show up this year. Right? We all know this guy. Right? The perfect Christmas would be if he doesn't show up. This is Cousin Eddie. Right? The perfect Christmas would be if he doesn't show up because we've all got a Cousin Eddie in our family. Right? And if you don't know who the Cousin Eddie is in your family, you may just be the Cousin Eddie in your family. (laughs) But we've all got that cousin, that relative, that somebody that were like, please don't come this year. It would be so amazing if you would just skip this year, right? But I think all of us would agree the perfect Christmas would be snow, right? Right? A few of my northern friends that have moved down are like, no, please, we moved down here to get away from it. Listen, listen, we prophetically sang earlier, let it snow. Completely intentional. We're believing God for a miracle this year that it will snow. Okay, that everything, because right now the forecast is saying, no way. South Alabama, we're not going to get any snow this year. Let's be real. Unless God moves the moon and the atmosphere and the low pressure, I don't know how all that stuff works. Unless God changes all of that, we are not getting snow this year, right? Just to break everybody's heart, we're not going to get snow this year. Just to push that a little bit further, let's just, let's just be honest. Okay, we're not going to have the perfect Christmas this year. Let's close in prayer. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Last service, some little kid went, what? 
right? But let's be honest, we're not going to have the perfect Christmas. Everything is not going to fall into place, right? There will be a gift, a package that will arrive late. There will be a flight that's delayed. Cousin Eddie may show up. The recipe that you found on Pinterest is probably not near as good when you make it as when they make it. Like, like it's not going to be perfect, right? There, you, you may not get the right gift. At the end of the, this whole thing, it's not going to be a perfect Christmas. And it's not just you and it's not just me. It's all of us. But honestly, it goes all the way back to the very first Christmas. The very first Christmas was not a perfect Christmas. It was actually far from a perfect Christmas. So we're going to read just a few verses from Luke 2. And uh, some of you guys may read this passage on, on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. It's the most famous Christmas narrative and the part of the story. And I'm going to read just a few verses. And kids, here's what I need. I need your help in this, okay? Whenever we get to the highlighted word, every single campus, I need the kids to read that word with me. Okay, as loud as you can, I want you to read that word with me, okay? So in Luke 2, verse 1, we're going to pick up the story right here. It says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their own town to register. So what this meant was, when the Caesar, when the Roman emperor declares something, you have two choices. You either do it or you die. So Joseph made a very good decision and said, okay. So they left to go to their hometown of their ancestors. So we're going to pick up in verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea uh, to Bethlehem, uh, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Now, we read by this quite a bit uh, during this time of the year, and we don't really think much about it. At this moment, Mary is nine months pregnant, nine months pregnant, and this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is 90 miles on a donkey. Okay, we're just talking about what, uh, just how this is not a, uh, not a perfect Christmas, okay? This is, there's a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth that, have happening, that are happening here, okay? So this journey by foot would have been roughly a four-day journey. Can you imagine what this journey was with a nine-month pregnant woman on a donkey having to pee every three minutes, right? This potentially was a, was a seven-day journey, right? And Joseph, if you, if you can imagine, guys, because we have a plan, this is a four-day journey. We've made this journey before. I know if we make two potty breaks um, per day, um, once at that tree and once at that mountain, then we will make it on time, right, guys? We've got a plan, right? We're going to stay on schedule. We're going to keep this thing together. Um, and then we remember, oh, she's pregnant, right? Ruins everything, right? All of a sudden we're peeing every three minutes and it just, it, you know, the trip gets longer and longer and longer. You can imagine the tension, I would say in the car, but obviously they weren't in a car, but can you imagine the tension, right? No wonder it was a silent night, right? Like the, the, the pressure is bubbling up, like all of this, this, this pressure is happening. So they finally get there. They finally get to Bethlehem and look what immediately happens in the very next verse. Verse six, it says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. No surprise here. Four to six days, nine months pregnant on a donkey, labor is induced. Like, right? Doesn't that make total sense, right? Um, all of a sudden, boom, the baby is born. And then here's the verse, verse 7. We know this one. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There was no room. Now, we know this part of the story. Mary and Joseph, they couldn't, they couldn't have a room, so they ended up in a cave. Most likely, it probably wasn't a wooden barn. It was probably more like a cave in the side of a hill. 
where animals were kept and there would have been a small trough where the animals would have eaten out of. And that is where Mary laid Jesus. And we know that part of the story. But just nine months earlier, Mary met an angel. And an angel told her that in nine months, she's going to give birth to the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the, the, the one that they've been waiting for. Can you imagine the picture in Mary's head of what that perfect Christmas was going to look like? Can you imagine she's going to give birth to the king of kings? She's going to give birth to, to, to the Messiah. It is not going to be a cave. It is not going to be that thing. It's going to be probably a little bit more like the, the birthing suites that we're experiencing now, right? Like it's a five-star hotel or a hospital or something great, but yet it's in that place. It's surrounded by those circumstances. But the moment that Jesus Christ entered those circumstances, those imperfect circumstances, perfection arrived. And everything changed. Everything changed. Now, the circumstances around her didn't change. She wasn't magically transported to another place or to a hospital or to something nice. No, she was still in a cave, and it probably still stunk, and there were still animals everywhere, and eventually some smelly shepherds showed up. Like, the scene was not perfect, but yet she was holding in her hands perfection. She was holding in her hands just joy and peace in, in, incarnation, just in a bodily form, she was holding that. Can you imagine how everything else just changed? The circumstances didn't matter so much anymore because she was experiencing something so much greater than that. What that tells me for every single one of us is this, is no matter what your scene looks like right now, no matter how imperfect or messy or problematic or no matter what hurt and pain that there is, Jesus Christ comes into our messy places. He comes into those places. Actually, this whole story is about God coming near, God coming into our story right where we are today. We don't have to clean anything up. We don't have to make sure the trough is just right. We don't have to make sure the, the animals get a bath before. No, no, no. In that mess and in that place, Jesus Christ came near. That tells me that you and I, that there is hope for where we are. There's hope for where we are right now. The world around us, your family, your finances, your marriage, there is hope for where you are right now. Why? Because Jesus Christ came into this world. There is hope for you and I. That word hope in our understanding today is very different. Because today the way we see hope is it's really more optimism. It's more optimism. It's more choosing to, choosing to believe that the best is going to happen. Uh, you know, maybe there's, the circumstances are going to align. Chances are going to be just right. Everything's going to come together. It's just simply choosing to believe that everything's going to come together and the best possible outcome is going to happen. That's the way we as a society see hope. It's crucial for the human spirit. It's crucial for us. But biblical hope is extremely different than that. Because biblical hope is not on something that might happen. Biblical hope is based on something that's already happened. The fact that Jesus Christ is here. Biblical hope is on a person, not something that may happen. Let me say it this way. The beauty of true hope is not that something might happen. It's that something has already happened. Right? We have hope because Jesus Christ has already come. And we have a true hope. Because of what he's done, the, 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 the Christmas story that we celebrate and we talk about, it's the beginning of the gospel story. It's the beginning of the gospel story where Jesus Christ came to this earth to ultimately die for you and I. 
Look at the way Peter says it. The apostle Peter says it this way in 1 Peter. And kids, I'm gonna need your help one more time. Here we go. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of Jesus Christ, he is a living hope. He's alive. And what he wants more than anything is to come into our scenarios, to come into our scenes and to bring that living hope into our world. I recently heard a definition of of what the gospel is. And I love this. The gospel story is simply this, that it's Jesus in my place. It's Jesus in my place. He came to this earth and he lived the life that I should have lived. He died the death that I was condemned to die. Right? Ultimately, because of him, because of his sacrifice, we get to partake in the ultimate reward that he deserved. Not I deserved, but he deserved it. And because of everything that he did when he came to this earth, and it begins here at Christmas, and it goes all the way to Easter, because of what Jesus did, we can have a living hope. Not on something that might happen one day. Not on the circumstances being perfect and the right people and the right instance and the right gift and the right stuff. No, no, we can experience true living hope today because of something that Jesus Christ has already done. And it's not based on any circumstance. It's not based on anything else other than him. Let me read this one thing. Jesus died not just for you, but Jesus died instead of you. He suffered your curse so that you could inherit righteousness. He was clothed with shame so that you could sit at the seat of honor. He was struck down so that you could be lifted up. He was wounded so that you could be healed. God, the Father, turned his face away from Jesus so that he could turn his face toward you right where you are today. Jesus Christ in my place, he came and he lived the life that you and I were meant to live. And he died the death that you and I were condemned to die so that we could partake and be a part of his reward, eternity with God the Father. Whatever you're up against right now, whatever you're dealing with, whatever 2020 looks like, it's, our world's not gonna get brighter, guys. Life's not going to get easier. You know, some of the scary things in the world right now, it's not going to magically go away. But you and I, we have an opportunity to experience hope in the middle of all of that. Because what Jesus does is he comes and he changes everything from the inside out. He can come into our life and he can bring true peace, even when the circumstances don't look peaceful. He brings hope, he brings love, he brings joy, even when the circumstances around us don't even resemble that a little bit. So what he does, he comes into our story to change everything. That's what Christmas is all about. Bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. I know right now here at this campus and at every campus, there's some of you that haven't experienced that living hope. And maybe life is getting harder and more difficult and complicated. And at Christmas, it just seems magnified that it's, it's tough, it's hard. And what you need is living hope. 
because of what Jesus did for you in your place, you need to experience his living hope. Here's what I want you to do today. I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I just simply want you to repeat a prayer after me. You can pray this prayer under your breath. You can pray this prayer out loud. But I want you to believe it in your heart. If today you walk in this place feeling hopeless and you need living hope, I want you to pray this prayer with everything you've got and believe it. Because this is the beginning of Jesus doing something powerful in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your children. It begins right here with you praying a prayer from the bottom of your heart and believing that Jesus Christ is the hope of your world. So if that's you, just pray this prayer with me. Pray, Jesus, I want to know you today. I give you my sin. I give you my shame. And I ask that you forgive me. I want to know you. I want to know your living hope. I want to experience you. Lord, I give you all that I am. I surrender my life to you. I truly want to be different. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at me for just a second. I believe dozens of you prayed that prayer. All weekend long, there's been so many people praying that prayer. But here's what I want you to hear. That prayer is simply the beginning of something that God wants to do in your life. Don't walk out of here and think it's done. Don't walk out of here and think it's over. Listen, there's so many things that the Bible is filled with promises that God, that Jesus Christ wants to do and has already done in your life. There's a process to it. Don't just walk out of here and think that all is good because you prayed a prayer. I want to challenge you to get in a local church. Find a small group. And listen, we, if you're a guest, we would love to have you as a part of this church. But if this is not your home church, we would love to have you here. But find a home church. Find a home church to get plugged into, to be a part of, so that you can begin to grow in who God has created you to be. Because there's something that he wants to do in you. There's something he wants to do in your marriage. There's something he wants to do in your family. And this is just the beginning of the story of what God wants to do. The second thing that I wanna tell you is this, if you prayed that prayer, I ask you to do this. Just, we're gonna sing another song in just a moment and maybe during the song or at the end of the service, I want you just to grab the connect card out of the seat back in front of you. Every campus you can do this or if you're up in the risers, there's a little card slot next to your seat. Take the little connect card, just give us your basic information because what we wanna do, our job, our role here is to help you in this journey to help you become the Christ follower that you're created to be, to experience freedom, to experience purpose, to experience the life of Jesus Christ in your family, in your heart, in your life. And we wanna do that. We wanna help you in this journey. So please, before you leave, take that connect card, drop it in the offering boxes on your way out so that we can connect with you. Listen, what an amazing time we've already had together today of just man, fun, family, celebrating and worshiping Jesus. And I wanna end this way today at every campus. I'm gonna have you stand in just a moment, but here's what I wanna do. I just want us to end with some fun. Can we do that? Can we just put a smile on our face? Because we're gonna walk out into the world. We're gonna walk out into life and, and maybe the heaviness is gonna hit us again. But right now in this moment, I want us to experience God's love. I want us to experience God's peace. I want us to put a smile on our faces. Can everybody do that? Can everybody smile? Come on right now, every campus, come on, put a smile on your face. Man, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Let's smile.